Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jasters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. And thank you, as always, for being with us. It is Monday, June 18th, 2018, episode 160. Whoa. That sounds good of the Anakin Florian podcast. Hope you all had a good Father's Day, good weekend. And I hope your kid is as cute as Ken Flo's daughter, True <laughs> Florian, because that was not the way I intended to open the show. Because I know for the non-parents and even some of the parents, it gets super nauseating. But my God, I mean, I would be I would be Instagramming that child every hour <laughs> on the hour. Thank you, man. I, I didn't even know my, my wife was had just had my phone. I thought she was doing a video. She put it to ah. my Instagram. But anyways, yeah, uh, it, it was fun, man. Had a great Father's Day. We had a nice brunch. I ate like a pig. Uh, I feel sick today, but um, yeah, good good times, man. You don't oh, look how, was your fa- how was your Father's Day, dude? You know, it was all right. I yeah. uh, I did not hit the U.S. Open. I, I was not on Brooks Kepka, so it was. Yes. I took a bath when it came to my sports wagering. But my May Rocky Brazilian <laughs> Jiu Jitsu T-shirt yeah. came out the day oh. before Father's Day. So thank you for that. Love May Rocky BJJ But if you want this model, <laughs> if you're watching us on video right now and you want not this particular yet. T-shirt, I'm sorry, it's not. not it's not available yet. Yeah. So uh, you just have to watch the Anakin Florian podcast. <laughs> but great logo. I appreciate that. And eventually. Uh, all the the fine BJJ practitioners that actually grace those mats will have the t-shirt <laughs> that I am donning today. So a lot to get to today. It was an off week for the UFC a week ago, but that does not mean there weren't any headlines. Of course, you got Ken Flo's picks for UFC Singapore coming up. Uh, we're going to check in with Tyler Minton here in about five minutes as we talk about this whole weigh in movement back to the afternoons in all likelihood for the UFC. He's also embedded right now in Hawaii with UFC featherweight champion Max Holloway. So a lot to get to with Tyler Ray Longo in about 20 minutes. Uh, and some other UFC headlines as well involving Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Darren Till and kicks to the knee. But I want to start just briefly with the World Cup because this Peruvian outfit, Ken Flo, I know it did not go their way in no. their World Cup opener, but certainly one of the funner teams to watch for my money. Just just couldn't put one in the onion bag as you texted me over the week. <laughs> exactly. You know, they, they played some pretty football uh, the other day, but, you know, uh, just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, man, you know. Um, Denmark, I think they're a pretty solid team. Uh, they're not the best team, but they're not the worst team. Um, I right. thought Peru really outplayed them, but certainly in the first half. The second half was a little closer, I, I guess, uh, possession-wise, uh, but still, uh, Peru was dominating the match, but um, again, just couldn't get it done uh, in, the, in, in, in the front third of, of the pitch, and um, 
you know, it's unfortunate. Here's the thing. It's still early. You know, that, that's that's yep. what I'm feeling good done. about. It's still early. Um, however, it, it does get more difficult. Uh, they have France in their next game. Um, but I think if this team does put it together, if they do end up firing in all cylinders, I think this is the team that can definitely get past uh, and get through the next round. So um, I'm staying positive here. I'm staying positive. That's a game they should have won against Denmark. So no unfortunate, doubt. man. Yeah. So plus 235 underdogs against France, to your point, it certainly does not get easier. Yeah. France, one of the pre-tournament favorites. But we'll see how it goes for, for your Peru squad. I mean, certainly fun to watch. Did you see that? I mean, you probably saw it. I don't know if you watched it live, but mm. but the missed penalty kick, which I know is never easy, and he missed yeah. by a significant amount. Now, was Boston College back in the day calling on someone else for the PKs, or, or did you have a moment maybe in high school or college where, where you whiffed on the PK? High school, I was the guy to take the penalty shots. But, of course he was. Uh, in college, no. It was it was definitely for somebody else. Huh. Uh, but... Um, yeah, man, that, that's that was a killer. Um, and then you had Messi, Messi, the, the god of soccer, that? who missed his. And I could believe it. I felt a little bit better maybe after that. But right. uh, yeah, man, it, penalties are one of those things that if you are not mentally focused, um, you're going to miss it. And it's something that yeah. every player should make absolutely. Um, you know, they have a huge advantage. The the goalie just kind of just. Their only hope is to just guess. Even then, it's right. extremely difficult if you hit the ball with pace. Uh, and, yeah, just couldn't get it done, man. That, that that sucked. I was a goalie, not a very good one, and I was not very good in those penalty situations. But it, World Cup's wide open, and I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. I don't ingest a lot of soccer during the year, uh, but I certainly tune in every four years for the World Cup. I have watched almost every game that's been on. comes on super early, obviously, here on the East Coast of the United States. But, you know, Brazil playing to a draw. I mean, Italy's not even in the tournament. The Netherlands yeah. not in the tournament. Of course, the Americans, as we talked about last week. So Germany, how about, wide Ger- open. how about Germany losing to Mexico? one right. nothing, yep. which is crazy. I, I get the feeling some, something, I think we might see uh, some team that's never won it before. Something crazy is going to happen uh, in regards to who wins this World Cup. I, I, I just have a feeling that uh, with what's going on, I, I, think, I think we might see a, a big upset or a first-timer. Uh, win it, which would be pretty pretty cool, man. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, yeah. Saudi Arabia is not winning it. Sweden, no. with a nice one nil victory earlier today, I finally hit a bet. Sweden plus one hundred five, so we're <laughs> off and running. <laughs> nice. So uh, before we bring on Tyler Minton, I just want to set the stage in terms of the UFC weigh-in stuff, and, and then we'll get into some other mm. headlines. Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic now twenty days away, so I don't want to spend too much time on this, but. Dana White said after UFC 225, believe me, we've studied it. We're moving back to the afternoon weigh-in. Now, I don't know when this is going to happen, but it seems at this point that it is an eventuality. And Dana said the numbers don't lie. We've talked to fighters. A ton of fighters want to go back to 4 o'clock, and there's a lot of fighters that don't. So, Kenny, I know there are some positives in this equation for Mm -hmm. some fighters, right? Mm -hmm. Daniel Cormier, just to give you one example of a high-profile champion, doesn't love the morning weigh-in, right? Right. You never experienced the morning weigh-in, and I don't know how that would have affected your two cuts to 145 pounds, but your thoughts on the UFC sort of reversing course here and in all likelihood going back to that 4 p.m. Eastern time weigh-in start time. Uh, this is interesting. There's a, there's a bunch of things here. Uh, there's some positives, in, and there's certainly some negatives. Um, I, I think as far as making weight, at a, if I were to make weight in the morning uh, for that 145 pound, I'm sure I would have done it. It just it would have been a little bit more challenging, you know. First of all, w- when you're cutting weight and you're cutting extreme amounts of weight, you just don't sleep well. You are hungry as hell. 
Um, you, you, you just can't sleep well. Um, you, you're irritable. It, it's the worst. Um, so, you know, having these early weigh-ins, weigh-ins for, for the guys that aren't making weight, I'm sure that's a factor. You know, you, you don't have all day, um, you know, to make that weight and kind of get mentally focused and prepare for any, uh, you know, hiccups that you can encounter, um, you know, as you head to the scale. Um, so th- that's the big challenge, I think, for the organization. I think it does make sense for the UFC to make it a little bit later. They will probably have fewer, um, you know, mishaps when it comes to yeah. making weight. Here's the problem for me, though, is that recovery-wise, I, I think it's worse. You know, um, you got to give the brain, the body, time to rehydrate um, and-, and get fluid in because – uh, when you're doing these late weigh-ins, the body doesn't quite recover recover in the same manner. Um, you need more time, and having the earlier weigh-ins allows the body, body to recover. Um, and for these guys that are making weight, again, we got to remember, the majority of the UFC are making weight. It's not right. like we have you know this 50-50 thing or this huge spike uh, percentage-wise where guys now are no longer making weight with these earlier weigh-ins. Um, I think it's, in a lot of ways, it's safer. It is safer to have the earlier weigh-ins, but logistically it is worse. So I think that's what the UFC is struggling with more than anything else, the logistics of having these fighters make weight and what's safe for the fighters. Right. And I will get into some of the logistical stuff here in a minute, but I want to bring a third voice into this conversation and, and one who can, I think, add a lot to it. He is joining us at 7 a.m. Hawaii time, <laughs> so we appreciate him getting out of bed. Mixed martial artist nutritionist to the stars, a man who obviously is very busy leading up to July 7th in UFC 226. The melee way, Tyler Minton is with us. Tyler, what's up, man? Hey, man. How are you guys? We are doing well. I appreciate you giving us some time here before some some early training sessions today for, for the blessed one, Max Holloway, as he gets ready for Brian T-City Ortega. So we sort of talked off the top of the show that it seems now an eventuality that Dana White and the UFC is going to go back to that afternoon weigh-in. And I know you have a lot of ideas and solutions, but ultimately are you surprised that not all that long after going to that morning weigh-in for the athletes that they seem to be reversing course here about 18 months later? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally surprised. Uh, you know, one of the main reasons they even, you know, came out and said that this is something they were going to do is and, and I remember at first when they came out, a lot of people were really uneasy with it. Um, you know, people didn't really, they, you know, they had, they'd been doing it their own way for so long, they weren't real sure. But the UFC just kind of pushed and pushed that this was the the best thing for the athlete's health. You know, give them more time to rehydrate and to recover. So you know, it was it was something that when it was when it began, it was it was sold as uh, beneficial to athlete health. So for them to turn around and kind of take it away is is you know, in my opinion, it looks a little bad on them. I, I don't really understand that. Um, and I just, I, yeah, when you have pretty much every fighter I've talked to, every fighter I've seen uh, flat out saying they don't want it, they don't think it's going to be, it's going to work. Uh, it's better for them the way it is now. And right. yet they're still going to do it. I just, I'm really surprised. Well, we'll see what happens, and maybe there is a one-hour window, Tyler, as you and I discussed, I think, in Chicago when you were there with Megan Anderson. Maybe there's a way for them to just maintain a one-hour window for men and women to weigh in, and then if you can't make it by 10 a.m., they go to 4 o'clock. But I would, the overwhelming majority of your fighters, I would think, like the morning weigh-in. I know DC hasn't come out on the other side of it, but I know privately he has said to me that he doesn't love you know, what the night before holds when he's making 205 pounds. There are a handful of guys, I guess, who 
will see the merits of being able to use that full day while they're awake to cut that weight. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll have a couple of guys. And, uh, you know, I, I love DC to death. Um, but it's one of those. He, he From his standpoint of fighter, yeah, I, I, I get it. And because of the way he cuts weight, you know, uh, he has a very, a very specific method he's always done. And I could actually see his method being a little bit more enjoyable uh, if you have a 4 p.m. weigh-in. Because, in fact, he kind of uh, – it's, it's always been based off of that. And we just kind of changed it up a little bit for the morning. Uh, but it is his weight cut is made for more of an evening style weight cut. Huh. That being said, though, even for him, it's not ideal. I think morning morning for DC is ten times better. So it's one of those he might like it, but he don't know no better. No, no, I just <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I, I get why he likes it, but the morning yeah. would be better for him as well. Just you know, with so much weight, he has to to recover from and rehydrate. Tyler, I definitely want to go back to D.C., uh, but um, for, for Max, a guy who's quite big for 145 pounds, what does he prefer? Yeah, Max definitely prefers a, a morning weigh-in. Mm. And just because it's one of those, you know, I, like I believe everyone does, you know, it, it's one of those he uh, – he does. He does cut. He's, he does cut. You know, he's a big old boy. Yeah. And he realizes that just gives him more time to, or more time to recover, more right. time to get back up to, uh, you know, the, a, a good weight that he's been training at in camp. You know, he's he's noticed it. You know, a lot of these guys that that have done both, they've done the four p.m. and they've done the morning one. They they notice a, a significant difference on how they feel and how they perform. Makes sense, man. Now, now I want to go back to DC. Now he's fighting, obviously at heavyweight. What have you done differently with his diet? You know, do do you let him eat anything now that he has to be, you know, two sixty five? Does he have to cut the two sixty five? Don't tell me that. No, no, DC All don't right. have to cut two sixty five. We actually, you know, that that's kind of the, the cool thing with us and, and, and the Lockhart and Lee team. We have a, a whole team of guys, so we actually have a guy, uh, Ian Larios, who's out there with him right now. Still working with him for four weeks, doing all of his food. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, he doesn't have to cut, but he also understands the benefits of, of having, you know, a, a professional come in and handle these things, you know, or, or, heck, it's a lot easier. You don't have to worry about anything. You got your food food ready after a training session. Uh, you know, right now he's kind of eating the best things he can for performance to make sure he gets the best performance possible out of those last few weeks of training camp, uh, which, you know, I think is hugely underrated and, and, you know, it, it's cool that DC sees the importance of that. But, no, thank God, you know, he don't have to cut. I'm sure he's enjoying uh, this. You know, I've been talking to him about it every day. Uh, he's enjoying it this way much, much better. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure. He likes his food, I hear. Uh, yeah, and for, for Holloway, you know, we talk about this a lot. Obviously, you know, he had the mishap at 155 pounds, taking the fight on, like, just a few days' notice last time uh, for her the Habib fight. Do you see him eventually just staying at lightweight? Um, yeah, I could definitely see it. You know, that's that's one of those things. That's one of those things that are you know I guess fall on on management in the UFC. But I could definitely see it. Number one, you know, after you know what could be a win over Ortega, like who else? You know, there's not right, really right, right. There, there's not really much left for him to do to solidify himself as the best one forty five or ever. You know, and he's he's young. You know, as you get older, it gets a little bit harder to yeah. maintain uh, your weight, and it, it gets a little bit tougher. So, yeah, I think uh, you know, me personally, because like I said, this is that, that's a him thing. But me personally, I think this win, he's pretty much solidified himself as the greatest at, at, at that weight division, and For sure. you know, maybe go up and make himself the greatest at another. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, last thing. I know you're on a time crunch in terms of International Fight Week, and I know you have a team of chefs and nutritionists, Lockhart, Leith, everybody else, but back-to-back UFC shows. I mean, how thin are you guys spread coming up here in a few weeks? Oh, man, we have a lot. We have a lot of guys. Um, you know, we're, we're building more and more. We're trying to get more guys um, on the card since we're going to have such a big group out there. We have several of the people in the Ultimate Fighter finale. Uh, we have, like I said, Max, DC. It's, it's going to be a pretty crazy week. But, you know, we also have our, uh, our certification going on that week. So we're going to have, right now it's looking like anywhere from 20 to 30 guys out there certifying um, to to affiliate with us. So that's cool, you know, because part of the certification process is they actually get some hands-on. You know, we don't don't have them doing anything that that we realize would be best with with us being more experienced doing. But we have them helping a whole lot, and that that becomes a big, big help. But we got a lot of things going on that week. I, you know, I accomplished – my, my first goal when I got into this, I want to be nominated for trainer of the year, and I got nominated. So uh, I had no – actually, I had no intentions of going to the the ceremony just in case I win just because, uh, you know, I've got a job to do. <laughs> and right. I, I told some of my fighters that I wasn't planning on going, and they, they fussed at me and insisted that I was going. So, um, you know, so I'll be there. Then we'll have uh, – we, we're going to have a good group. We're still nailing it down, but it'll be a good week. All right, man. Well, congrats on that nomination. You deserve it on Twitter. You can find him at the Melee Way. Tyler Minton, uh, we'll let you get back to it with Max Blessed Holloway. Send him our best, and uh, we'll see you in Vegas in a couple weeks, bud. Awesome. See you, boys. Thanks. All right, there is Tyler Minton. His task, getting Max Holloway down to 145 pounds. And we've said on this podcast before that Holloway has visions of going up to middleweight before his career is said and done. He fancies himself a Kenny Florian. But no, for Max, right, he's not going to make featherweight or choose to very many more times. Yeah. This Ortega fight, it, you know, I think win or lose, you heard it a little bit there from Tyler. This could be the last time you see Max Holloway as a featherweight. I know it would be bizarre for some to see with this long winning streak, him to make that move at this time. He's obviously still a very young man, but the future for him is at lightweight and probably eventually welterweight before he hangs him up for good, you know? Yeah, I mean, Tyler Mitten kind of breaking news there i i think uh in a way because yeah i mean who else does he need to fight i I know he has mentioned you know the fact that he has a lot of respect for frankie edgar that he would fight frankie maybe uh and and that's pretty much it frankie obviously a legendary fighter himself um so maybe he takes that fight um but as far as you know all the big fights uh i mean it's all at 55 right you got habib Nurmagomedov, you got conor mcgregor um, obviously he has a history or kind of a history with both of those men. Um, I, I think that's the fight that makes a lot of sense. You know, last time he was up at Fox, man, he was huge. He was, I remember seeing him when he was like a 20, 21 year old kid. And I said, how the hell does he make 145 pounds? That was a few years ago. So now, um, yeah, it, it's gotta be very difficult for, for that guy to, to, to make uh, weight now at 145 and, um, after you clear out a division, uh, I, I think, you know, the writing's on the wall for Max Holloway. And he's a guy who gets ahead of the cut, right? I mean, Tyler right. Minton has been entrenched with Max him is for a pro, several man. weeks. Yeah. Monitoring everything that he ingests and everything else. But, yeah, Max is a pro. And, you know, one way or another, come Friday, July 6th, he'll land right on 145 pounds. But nothing easy about the six or eight or ten yeah. week process for the current UFC featherweight champion. So in terms of this whole weigh-in situation, live production – 
obviously doesn't like this, right? It going back to four o'clock because it, it interjects a whole lot of challenges back into the mix for us, right? At least when we've had fighters miss, we've had several hours before the ceremonial weigh in to get our ducks back in a row. So it's not being done for live production. I think in some part, maybe it's being done for the fans, Kenny. As we mentioned, the ceremonial weigh in is free. It is open to the public. It's a big cornerstone of fight, mm-hmm. fight Week. I know for me as an MMA fan, it was one of the things that I really got excited about. You know, the days of the, the boxing weigh-ins with five, ten thousand 10,000 people there to see Floyd Mayweather. But ultimately, the masters that you want to serve here are the fighters. And it would seem to me that if there is a way to preserve one hour in the morning for these guys to be able to weigh in from 9 to 10, and then if they don't make weight, come back at 4 I think that would make a lot of sense, and I think it would please a lot of people. Logistically, I don't know. I, you were sort of hinting that commissioners have to show up twice. There's a lot of different yeah. people in this equation, but I just I, I don't know that they're going to be able to take away that morning weigh-in option for the fighters at this point, having given it to them. I really don't. It, it, it's tough, and, and again, the majority of fighters are making weight, so that's the big problem. For those guys that are professionals, for those guys that are on top of their weight, why should they suffer? Why should they suffer throughout the day and wait to make that weight you know it's terrible again so a lot of these guys that are already close to weight they're already making weight they have to wait till four o'clock to weigh in it's brutal not only not to mention it it takes longer for them to recover so uh this is a tricky one but at the same time nobody likes uh, a missed fight nobody wants a fight to not happen and that's what's happening with these early weigh-ins as well so uh, it's a tough one man this is a tough one The toughest thing about it for the fighters is that 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. window, right? You're going to have to be on weight for two or three hours, whereas with the 9.30 a.m. weigh-in, you can be on weight for two minutes, weigh in, and immediately start to rehydrate. Transporting from the hotel to the venue or the site of the weigh-in, being on weight, you know we get the fighters there at least 35, 40 minutes prior, so just sitting there. And going back to that reality, I think it's going to be very difficult for a lot of fighters who were so happy to see that part of it go away. Mm -hmm. There's an interesting article on MMAfighting.com about Craig White, you may recall, who made his UFC debut recently on short notice against Neil Magny. He cut 46 pounds in two weeks. He was 217, 216 pounds when he got the call to fight Neil Magny. Now, in April of 2014, he cut 37 pounds in nine days for a fight against John Redmond. Promised his coach and his girlfriend it would never happen again. But, of course, the Magny call comes in, and one thing leads to another. He had 14 baths, I guess, in the final 12 hours and eventually was able to make the number. You can imagine what his reaction was when, of course, Darren Till missed for the main event. But yeah. That when you read that, right, 46 pounds in two weeks, uh, there is nothing good about that. I mean, what's the girlfriend say to that? I know she's happy you're in the UFC, but we got to try to avoid these situations seemingly at all costs. And if that means eliminating weight cutting from the sport or something, I, I know it sounds drastic and unrealistic and, and ambitious and everything else. But 46 LBs in two weeks, Ken Flo, that is that is awful. It is awful. Uh, it's insane. Uh, it, it is not healthy. It is dangerous. Um, th- that's something that shouldn't happen. You know, that, that's something that shouldn't happen. And, again, I, I get it. You want to fight in the UFC and all that stuff. I, I love that commitment. Uh, but that is, that is a little much, man. That, that's where we start getting into territory. And imagine, God forbid, if something ever happened where we go, oh, yeah, he was cutting 46 pounds? For, yeah. who, who let that happen? Well, right. 
Well, I think it's hard, though, when, because when Craig White gets that call and they say, what do you weigh? Certainly not telling him you exactly. weigh 216. Right. No, and that's the thing is he's not exactly being forthcoming with what, what his weight is at. He just wants to fight the UFC. And, that, again, that's where it gets very, very dangerous for me, man. All right, moving on to Ray Longo in a second. But first, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in just minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash anik, rocketmortgage.com slash anik, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, and MLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. And the venerable Ray Longo now joins us. Sorry to keep you waiting, my man. Happy Father's no, Day. No, happy Father's Day to you two guys, too, man. Really, I uh, hope you had a great Father's Day, Kenny. I see you got a smile on your face. <laughs> Thank you. Good one. He can't control himself, John. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. It's so, just uh, having you on that gets me I, smiling, I gotta, dude. I gotta, I got a haircut for the podcast. How's it look? Finally. There we go. Oh, now, man. that's the Ray Longo we know. Ah, there you go. Yeah, that's good. Ah, Shop. That's a brother shine, Kenny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did you uh, really get the haircut for the podcast, or was there some Father's Day did. brunch that you no, need to clean No, podcast. It's all about all right. the podcast, John. All right. Well, that's good. Rocket well, we got mortgage. a lot of things Rocket to get to with you. Podcast. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I actually just spoke to a guy getting divorced. Like, how's it going? He goes, I'm going to find somebody I hate. And buy him a house for the next <laughs> one. So I sent them the rocket mortgage. I go, look, they'll give me at least a good deal on the mortgage. You know, but I hope it that's works good, out man. for this guy. Uh, I like that. Rocket, <laughs> Rocketmortgage.com slash Anik. Don't forget the promo code there that's on right. the back end, all right? Exactly. So, uh... A number of different directions I want to go with you, but I want to read you some quotes from Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, uh, courtesy BJPenn.com. In terms of Darren Till's targeting Thompson's lead knee mm. with these sidekicks, I'm going to read the quote quickly because I want you to hear all of it, okay? Yeah, this yeah. is from Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I honestly think that strike should be made illegal. It could end somebody's career. You know, Robert Whitaker had to have ACL surgery following his first fight with Yoel Romero due to that particular strike. As you could see, Whitaker made sure to beat Romero to the punch in their second fight. He threw a lot more than he did this time around. It is just a very dangerous technique. I think a lot of fighters throw that strike, but sometimes it is for different reasons. When I fought Jorge Masvidal, he used that same sidekick to the knee, but when George threw it, he was doing so just to keep me away, not in an attempt to injure my knee. And here's the rub. When I was in the cage fighting Till, it felt like, okay, this guy is trying to break my leg. It was like he had intentions of ripping everything out in my knee. That's how I felt anyway, like this dude is really trying to injure me in here. I think it's an ugly strike and that it should be made illegal. Now, I think a lot of people fall on the other side of this equation, right? This is two men fighting in a cage. This is a kick to a lower limb and they don't see an issue with it. Where do you fall on it? 
Uh, man, I got to tell you, I mean, I, we're in a sport where, you know, I mean, you could easily say, man, this guy was punching me in the head like he really wanted to knock me out. <laughs> right, you know right. what I mean? So, I mean, I'm not, yeah. it is what it is. I mean, uh, you know, they could do whatever they want with it. But for right now, you know, everybody's looking for an edge. And if that's what you have to do to keep somebody away, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with them on that totally. But, you know, I could see if it, you know, it's almost like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, again, we're in the sport. You know what you signed up for. There's nothing good about a guy crashing his shin into your temple, into the side of your leg, your right, ribs. Right. I mean, it's just is what it is, man. So, I mean, you give Wonder Boy enough time and he'll figure out that that leg won't even be there the next time he sidekicks, I guarantee you. So, right. he might be expressing himself in one way, but, right. like, again, it is what it is. I mean, and he's so gifted that he could do so many things that – you know, I think, um, you know, guys have to guys have to survive in there, too. I mean, Wonder Boys, he's a handful for anybody. Oh. So because he's got great flexibility and he can kick you in the head, you could say, look, this guy's trying to kick me in the temple, render me unconscious with the heel of his foot. And right. It'll never end. So I'm saying for right now, it is it is what it is, man. It's a, it's a tough sport. You know what you sign up for and train appropriately and again i think that's something that wonder boy will figure out in the future very easily yeah it, it's very a tr it's a tricky one i mean we saw whitaker and the adjustments he made uh, against romero yeah. in the second fight he actually was attacking romero's fight with the exact same kick uh it yeah. seemed like he was looking for revenge there oh no it's he, tough. that that, that right? had the feeling that had the feeling of revenge too yes what yeah he was and that's the tough thing. I mean, the, the other thing is you can do a knee bar in the UFC. You can try to rip someone's knee open that way. So, uh, and Kenny, there's yeah. nothing that happens in that octagon that right. you can't make the case for. I mean, I don't know, man. I I might take the knee kick over, uh, you know, getting hit with a shin to my temple. Right. I, mean, I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah. that, that's where it gets tricky. I mean, there's sure. nothing. As far as health and safety, there's nothing good going on in there. There's right, nothing. Right. There's nothing good going on. You know, it's a, it's a fight, man. Well, and, you know, you make the commitment to walk in there, you know, you got to be prepared to do whatever. Well, I want to continue the talk on health and safety, Ray. We were talking earlier about the weigh-ins. Uh, where do you fall in the conversation as far as do you prefer the early weigh-ins uh, for the fighters or, or do you like the later weigh-ins? What, what do you think is better for you, for you, for your guys? Well, I mean, I can tell you, me personally, I don't like the early weigh-ins because I don't like getting up that early. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this, is <true. laughs> this is true. So it's an easy it's an easy one for me. I like to weigh them <laughs> yeah. in about 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, no, look, that's a that's a question you ask the fighters. Everybody's different. Yeah. Um, you know, look, the, the key with everything is these guys, they have to start making weight when they get the call eight weeks out. They won't have a problem if you're disciplined, if you're into health yourself, if you're into health and safety. Forget about leaving it to the commissions at this point. Leave it to yourself. That's the only thing I could say now. Do the right thing. I guarantee it won't be an issue. And if it's an issue, you have to move up and wait. But if you're doing the right thing, you start at the right time. Again, it's not like, you know, the last week you cram everything in. You should be doing this weight cut eight weeks out, eating right, yeah. you're working out the right way, that weight will definitely come off. There's enough science to base that on. I mean, there's so many great ways of, uh, you know, losing weight at this point and staying healthy. Uh, you know, look, no matter what time you have it, there's always going to be those guys that don't make weight. So I think for the most part, everybody liked the early weigh-ins because they could re-high. You get that extra eight hours, that's huge, you know. So yeah. for the safety of the fighter, 
that seems to be the way to go. Get them rehydrated, get that water back up to the brain, you know, less shock on this, less that, yeah. all good. So, you know, I'm in favor of whatever's safer for the fighter. Uh, you'd really have to look at the research and see what it says. But again, we're in a sport where you can't fry your internal organs over and over again like that. The guy losing right. 40 pounds over. It's just like, crazy. Is there anybody that's going to tell him that's good for him? No, the right. answer is no. You know, but with any sport, with anything you do in life, there comes, you know, a risk reward ratio. And that's up to the fighters. As long as you educate everybody and make them make, let everybody know what the upside is and the downside, they make the decision. And uh, the athletic commission is just there to enforce the rules and to, you know, make sure that they do everything right for the safety of the fighter. And, and that's it. But I'm, I'm going to say the early way and seem to be for the fighter. And, you know, a lot of people look at that Darren Till video and are freaking out. And obviously we've said here, you're lucky you didn't see the video of Kenny Florian cutting to featherweight because it made <laughs> oh, yeah, that Darren I, Till video look like look, Christmas, honestly. Let and, me tell you something. I tell the story, and it's a true story. The guy couldn't even speak. I was sitting next to him. And his he's team left him. His team actually left him. I think Chamberg went out to get a hamburger. He was, he was with me and Weidman. It was like uh, a scene at it was like a scene out of the Godfather. They were we exhausted. Were so, Let's put it that way. The coaches yeah. cutting weight with me were exhausted. I got to yeah. tell you, Ken, Ken, I mean, John, it was like a scene out of the Godfather when they left the old man in the fucking <laughs> hospital. I mean, I felt like Enzo the Baker. I had to come save the guy. They had you put your hands in your pockets just in case. It, <laughs> like you, like you had a gun in there. And, yeah. And he had... He had that poor accountant go, okay, you got to find me. Ray came to my rescue there. That was you know, awesome. I, I swear to God, John, it's a true story. Hey, buddy, how about take a fucking hike? The guy can't even speak. <laughs> and then I did apologize to the guy, though. You but, almost slapped him. That was hilarious. And, and He's like, hey, Kenny, take a hike. Kenny couldn't even turn to look at me. This is true. I feel his hand tapping my leg, saying thank you. Couldn't even speak. I'm telling you. That's a you, true story. We're in Vancouver. Yeah. And I think when I even told you, though, the, you had to think about it. That's how yeah. bad he was. And, yeah. look, I saw Weidman with the Damian Meyer fight. I never want to see that again in my life. Gut-wrenching. Oh. Brought a couple of guys to tears. It's just yeah. not it's good. But I do remember getting back to the hotel room with Chris after the fight. And I, it was almost like simultaneous. It was crazy. We just look at each other and go, like never again. Like I, oh, I never man. going through. I never want to see you do that again. Like yeah. ever. And this was at the beginning of his career. And I so. know we belabor the point a little bit, but I kind of feel like the more we talk about it, the more of a chance there is that change will be affected. You know, in yeah, terms that's of the only thing you could do, John, is keep educating people and talking about it. It's it's a great thing. You have to keep beating it in. Else, nothing will happen. That's what. Look, in most of these situations. They just want you to go away. <laughs> they don't want to talk about it. They want no resistance. Right. Right. So the right. more you speak on these things, the more educated people are, the more involved they get, they become in the topic. And I think it's better for everybody. But really, I think the fighters really have to take responsibility and do the right thing. And I'm sure there's a lot of fighters that'll say that. You know what I mean? That they, yeah. they are so in tune with their nutrition and their workouts that they don't have a problem making weight, yeah. but yeah. that crash making weight is awful, man. Terrible. There's a lot of different penalty structures you could put in there. Ken Flo went on national TV, I believe, and said that three strikes and you're out. If you miss weight three times in the UFC, you're gone. Certainly to me, you missed twice in the same weight class, yeah. and respectfully to Darren Till, already missing twice at welterweight and six UFC appearances or so, I think you're gone. And I will say, just to put a button on, in terms of the visual, right, 
when we had a pay-per-view in Perth, Australia earlier this year, it was like the old school weigh-in where the fighters came to the arena on weight. And seeing Luke Rockhold sit in that arena on weight for an hour is just as bad a visual as seeing Darren Till getting picked up by eight men, right? Uh, Rockhold, I mean, it's so that's the the scary visual yeah. for me that potentially we're going back to that gives me pause. That, guys they're sitting all in miserable. The arena. Like you said, I think leading up to it, you got to get on the bus, you got to do this. These guys just want to get on that scale and rehydrate as quick as possible. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's. I don't think that's solving anything by switching. To be honest with you, still got to have guys miss weight. And again, somebody brought up a good point. We were talking the other day, and they said, if you miss weight like Darren Tilly, you automatically loses a point in the first round. So right. you're down a point going in there. You know, you got to make I, it as hard as possible for this guy to win that fight. You know, take the money away, take a point away, and start the fight in the deficit. And uh, maybe that'll help. But, you know, I think human nature is human nature, and the guys that are going to try to, you know, get every possible advantage are still going to miss weight. And the guys that are conscientious are always going to make weight. All right, last thing, and we'll let you go. So two weeks from today, we will need your prediction on Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier for the UFC heavyweight title, which is July 7th. But a couple weeks out, you know both of these guys pretty well. I know you tend to lean towards the bigger guy. You, you think size matters, and that has proven to be – that has proven to sort of work out in your favor in a lot of matchups where you back the bigger guy. I mean, do you think yeah. size is the biggest factor in this fight between Stipe and DC? Uh, you know, no, I think size is going to play a factor. And obviously, I consider Stipe a friend, so I'm picking Stipe to win. But um, Stipe can also wrestle, you know what I mean? So he's going to have a big range advantage. And I think if uh, DC doesn't get his way with the wrestling – and he starts to get a little tired, that would not that would not work in his favor. I, I wouldn't want to be tired with Stipe, you know, right. throwing punches at me. But I think it's going to be the size will be a, a big advantage for a couple of different reasons. But Stipe is also a killer, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, there's going to be, I mean, height-wise, there's a huge size advantage. DC is as wide as a, as, as a building, though. I mean, his back yeah. is huge. So, And we've seen him. I don't even think he's ever lost as a heavyweight. He's this undefeated really as a heavyweight, fight. yeah. Right, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just remember, he's not, as we're talking, him picking up Josh Barnett and just flinging him around like a rag doll. So, yeah. really curious about this. But he did struggle with John Jones. I don't know if that was the weight. But um, I think it's going to be a similar fight like that, only Stipe's probably going to have a little more power. And uh, man, it's going to be a great fight. I'm excited for that fight, for sure. All right, man. Well, we are off next week because I, I got a third kid coming, I believe. So off look next great. week. No excuses, right, I mean, Ray? No excuses. No excuses. You want a host? I you got, want I the got one a, share? It's ridiculous. I'm at a rock over here. Yeah. No, <laughs> what you say, John? No, I, <laughs> hey, if you want to step in the one chair, be the Longo and Florian show for a week. I'm <laughs> oh, all no. for it. Just next uh, after the show, nah, we can have I'm a loyal guy. Yeah. Would never do it to you, but I'm imploring you. It's only a kid. It's only you've been there a couple of times. I. Hey, you know, I, I, you know, loud John, and clear, man. If, if, I, John, if there was I, I a get-out-of-jail-free card for the labor, I'd probably use it, man. I'm not, like, looking forward to it. You John, know? back in the day, the husbands were never in that room. They were down at the See? floor drinking with their friends. You could be doing the podcast. Just make like it's 1978. Oh, man. In that room. You know what? I think I'm going to open this conversation with my wife as soon as this podcast. Tell her I have a lot of experience. Yeah. I have a couple of kids. And, yeah, uh, trust stuff. me on this. You That's not happening. Podcast. 
Let her take care of what she has yeah. to take care of. Cr- Chrissy, Chrissy, submission, round one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks, buddy. Have a good week, hey, okay? Awesome, man. Great talking to you guys. I'll see you in, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, and uh, good luck with everything, John. Congrats, and happy Father's Day to the both of you guys. Thanks, Ray. Same to you, bud. Thank you, buddy. Take, take see easy, you, Ray. Man. Bye. Ray Longo working hard on that Matt Sarah speech coming up at the UFC yes. Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Thursday, July 5th in Las Vegas. You can get tickets at Ticketmaster.com. All the proceeds go to charity. Come support us. Rhonda's getting in the Hall of Fame. Let's pack the place for her. Uh, in terms of Steve A and DC, before we get to the Singapore picks, we've seen a lot of line movement here, Kenny. Mm. Daniel Cormier, at one point about a week ago when I last checked, could be had around plus 165. Now he is plus 210. Whoa. So Stipe Miacic has gone from minus 185 to minus 265. So that is pretty significant movement, about 80 cents towards Stipe. And in terms of common opponents, they have won Roy Nelson. They beat him on points, both of them. DC has a lot of experience at heavyweight against big men, 13-0, beat Josh Barnett over 25 minutes. But I brought up the size thing to Ray Longo, and I know you're leaning towards Stipe, and we're not asking you to make a pick here today, but I do think size matters. And DC did have trepidation when he was asked to enter that Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix on short notice, you may recall. He stepped in for Alistair Overeem against Antonio Bigfoot Silva on about four or five weeks' notice. And at the time, he was quoted as saying, I don't know. You know, there's, I'm giving up a lot of height and reach and size, and obviously the results speak for themselves. But I think this is a huge ask, and I think maybe some of the sharp betters out there are starting to back the bigger guy a couple weeks out from this super fight. Yeah, listen, uh, there, Stipe has more advantages than D.C. There's no doubt about it. You, you look at not only the fact that D.C., uh, that Stipe, sorry, is the larger man, but look at what he's done at heavyweight, man, and all the guys that he's beaten. So... Yeah, I think uh, DC certainly has his hands full. But uh, one thing we can't forget is DC always finds a way to win. Besides John Jones, he has always found a way uh, to win. Um, he is a guy that will always make a fight competitive. We forget in that first fight against John Jones, he did go the distance. Um, and then in, uh, and, and I had it three rounds to two for Jones. Um, right. And then in the second fight, uh, he was doing great in that first round. I thought he won that first round. He was landing some big shots on Jones. Um, and then, of course, we, we didn't know what happened after that when he got caught with that kick. Um, Stipe isn't a big kicker. He doesn't look for a lot of high kicks. Um, I, I think as far as going against a guy who primarily approaches the game with boxing, it allows DC to get in on those legs a little bit easier than going against a guy who likes to knee a lot or kick a lot, um, right. mix things up. But Stipe really isn't that guy. Doesn't mean he's not dangerous. Stipe's still very dangerous. If he lands a shot, he can knock out anybody. Um, so that's where DC really needs to be careful. But I, I like the way that DC matches up against him as far as his ability to get in on those legs, utilize his wrestling, land some shots from the outside. Um, and, and I think DC, DC likes fighting at heavyweight because he feels like he has way more energy. He's happier in his training camp. He feels like he's going to be the faster guy out there. I think he will against Stipe. Um, so there are some definite advantages for DC yeah. heading into this one as well. Uh, a tough fight nonetheless, though. I think you set up a lot of that well in terms of his path to victory. I think in past matchups for DC, there has been a more clear path to victory on paper when you break sure. down the two fighters. And in this particular matchup, you think that even though Stipe hasn't face, faced a wrestler of DC's quality, 
that is DC going to be able to control this guy on the ground and tire this guy who maybe is not on a Cain Velazquez cardio level necessarily, but look what Stipe did to Francis Ngannou, right? That required a lot of energy, a lot of offense. He might be, though. That's the thing. He might. He might be. I mean, that that fight against Ngannou, uh, you look at his fights against Junior Dos Santos, I mean, just ridiculous. And one thing, too, that we mentioned on the broadcast leading up to the fight between Stipe and Francis Ngannou the Miocic people, you know, they don't speak or toot their own horn. or You know, they're not loud people inherently. Yeah. But he knocked out eight people in two weeks leading up to that Ngannou fight in training. And that just wasn't something that was happening training camp in and training camp out for Stipe. So he is still an evolving, developing heavyweight that in theory is going to put his best foot forward and put out the best version on July 7th against Daniel Cormier, who just turned 39, I believe, back in March. So, hey, I'm not doubting DC. You can be sure. I certainly know him better in this equation than I do Stipe. But I just think that uh, if Daniel Cormier is able to become a two-division champion simultaneously at light heavyweight and heavyweight here in 20 days. We're going to be talking about arguably the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. All right, we got to spin this thing forward to Singapore. We are ready with our guest picker. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. I'm just remembering that this UFC Fight Night show from Singapore is going to be going head-to-head with the World Cup, Ken Flo. So oh, yeah. torn on Saturday morning. Four fights on the main card in Singapore this weekend. It starts at 8 a.m. Eastern. There's the main card on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, quickly, we update the standings. It was 70-57. to 57. Good guys. Going into UFC 225, you went head-to-head with Ian McInerney. Um, not going to rehash all the results, but you tied 5-5. So the lead for Team Attic, 75-62. And joining us to make picks today, he is 27 years old, fighting out of Kansas City, Missouri. Lifelong wrestler, now jiu-jitsu competitor, Ken Flo. He's 8-2 yes. as a white belt. Also a licensed attorney. Josh Hayner is with us. Josh, how are you, man? What's up, guys? How's it going? Did I get that last name right, Hayner? Yes, sir. Doing well. Professional. All right. Good, man. <laughs> so uh, back-to-back attorneys for Team Anik. We're, we're getting the in- intelligent guys at the end of the year here. Uh, all right, let's get to it, guys. First fight, the Leech Lee Jingliang, prohibitive favorite here, minus 400, taking on the plus 300 dog, Deitch Abe. So the Leech has won four of five, bonus in his last three. He is, though, coming off that loss to Jake Matthews. That was in Perth in Australia in February. You may remember the eye gouges from the Leech in that fight. Um, Abe, one and one of the UFC, has a win over Hyun Gyu Lim. Josh, not much known on Abe, at least comparatively, given the Leech's UFC experience. You're going with the underdog or the favorite here in the main card open? I'm going to have to go with the favorite here. I sided with Julian pretty big. Um, he has nine fights in the UFC. Avi only has seven professional fights in general. So I think that Julian will be able to use his octagon experience um, to win, and I think by KO potentially. Ken Flo, Lee Jingliang, 10th UFC appearance coming up on it for him. What do you think about the Leech this weekend against Abe? If he can get those eye gouges going again, yeah. I think <laughs> Lee Jing Leung has a great chance of getting the win. No, I, I'm going to go with Jing Leung. I, I think he wins this one. Uh, Abe, uh, I think, is a better fighter than what the odds are saying, but, uh, yeah, going with uh, Lee. That is funny. If he could somehow get those eye gouges yeah, going. Yeah, dude. Those are great. We'll let him do it. Give me Effective. the Leech by eye gouge in round one. <laughs> 
All right, also on the main card, fellas, at flyweight, Jessica Rose Clark, a minus 160 favorite. Jessica I coming back at plus 130. So far, pretty good for Clark 2-0 in the UFC. Josh, you going with Jessica Rose Clark or Jessica I? I'm going to go with Jessica Evil Eye here on this one. I'm going to go with the underdog. Uh, I think she's she's a much bigger. She's much bigger. She's going to use her grappling and takedowns to, I think, control the fight. Um, some of her recent losses were by decision to the likes of Sarah McMahon, Juliana Pena, and Misha Tate. So I think her going at 125 pounds to fight Rose Clark, who will be coming up from the 115 pounds, she will um, Evil Eye will use her takedowns and grappling to grind out a decision over Jessica Rose Clark. All right, so Josh sees some value there on Jessica mm. I. So the same January card, it was in St. Louis, Clark beat Paige Van Zant, and then Jessica I returned back to flyweight, outpointed Kalindra Faria, so she snapped her four-fight losing streak. Seven of I's eight UFC fights have gone the distance, including the last five. Ken Flo, you going Clark or I coming up this weekend? I think I's tough. I just don't think she's the better grappler here, though. I like JRC in this one. I think she's the better grappler. I think I probably hits a little harder on the feet. But, yeah, I've been impressed with Jessica Rose Clark. I think I like this fight for her here. All right, how about this story on Jessica Rose Clark, Ken Flo? And I hope I have this right. So she's a client of our friend Danny Rube. Danny Rubenstein, mm-hmm. Ruby Sports and Entertainment. Mm-hmm. So there was a challenge thrown down. I don't know if it originated with Danny, but basically if one of his clients got the Ruby SE logo tattooed on their body, they would get a 1% cut on his commission <laughs> for life, right? Okay. So Jessica Rose Clark has the Ruby SE logo tattooed Man. on her upper left arm, and she gets a 1% commission <laughs> break for the rest of her career from her manager. So. I mean, that's you funny. Love Danny Rube, Rube, right? man, the good Jew that's that he is. Good. I wonder if Rube's got a tattoo. Maybe he's got some ink. I'm not sure. I know our people. I think look down upon that. Maybe you can't be buried in a in a Jewish cemetery if you got a tattoo. Is he religious? Being, is he very religious? I don't know. I think he's a better Judaism source than I am, probably yeah. at this stage of our lives. Gotcha. And I say that respectfully. All right. But uh, all right. So uh, co-main event. Big fight here at light heavyweight. Tyson Pedro, 3-1 in the UFC. He's 7-1 overall, favored here at a minus-155 clip. To beat the far more UFC-tested Ovin St. Pru, he comes back at plus-125, at least here on Monday of Fight Week. Josh, what do we think here? OSP is the dog, or are you going with the Aussie Tyson Pedro? I think here this is a very tough decision, but I'm going to go with the Aussie Tyson Pedro. Um, like we've seen Whitaker the other week, those Aussie boys can bang. Um, I think this is going to be a very close fight. I'm very excited to watch it. Pedro is nine years younger and very solid submissions, all finishes in his seven wins. And they're both coming off losses to Ila Latifi. Um, Pedro lost by decision and OSP was submitted. I just think Pedro will be the same size and height as OSP here and will come away with a submission victory. All right, Tyson Pedro by submission for Josh Kenflo. I got this one wrong. I thought it would be a pick'em, or Oven St. Pru would be the slight favorite. Yeah. Uh, instead, OSP is the dog here. Your thoughts on this co-main event coming up in Singapore? This is a close fight for me. Uh, um, yeah, obviously, uh, Tyson Pedro, far younger. Um, you know, it's tough. Oven St. Pru, very inconsistent lately. Um, you know, I, I do think he's the better striker. He, he's unorthodox, not as clean with his technique as Pedro, but I think he's he's a little bit more effective, a little bit more dangerous. Um, and I do think Pedro's the cleaner uh, guy when it comes to the to the ground. 
uh, stuff. So this one's tough. But you know what? When it's close and the old flow needs points, I got to go with the underdog here. I'm going with OSP. Yeah, in our scoring system, given the standings, no brainer for you. He goes Pedro. You got to go St. Pru. Yeah. Uh, all right, main event. So Leon Edwards making his 10th UFC appearance. And, of course, courtesy of a five-fight winning streak, he gets his first main event here. And he is the minus 210 favorite over Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Third straight UFC fight night headlining spot for Cowboy. He is the plus 170 underdog. Cerrone's sixth UFC main event overall. Josh, this is the main event. We'll need a round and a method of victory if you would be so kind. We go in Cerrone or Edwards in the main event. Although I don't agree with the odds being as wide as they are, I'm going to have to go with the favorite, Leon Rocky Edwards. I am predicting a third-round uh, TKO by him. Uh, Cowboy normally in the past has kind of beat these middle middling guys, um, but I think his, his age is getting up there, and he seems to really like going to these overseas fights, and he doesn't always produce the best result. I think Edwards on his five-feet fight win streak will be the younger and hungrier fighter and will get the third-round knockout. Third round TKO for Leon. I like how Josh doesn't bury the lead either, right? He gives yeah. you your result right off the top and the analysis on the back end. Mm-hmm. Ken Flo's been in TV too long. He's always teasing that pick. <laughs> Ken Flo, Leon Edwards, Donald Cerrone. The question is, will you be awake at 5 a.m. Pacific for this main card? Or are we watching on a delay? And, and ultimately, how do you see the headliner going down? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I, will be, I will be asleep. Um, yeah. So, listen, this is an interesting fight, and I think Mr. Haynes has, has a uh, interesting, uh, Hainer, sorry, uh, has a very interesting uh, perspective here. I did not mean to say that, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think Cerrone's taken a lot of these fights overseas. I don't think that's a good idea. He's going against a very tough fighter in Leon Edwards. Um, Edwards is, we have another uh, southpaw who can counter-strike, and he's effective moving forward as well. I think that's the approach he needs to take here against Cerrone. If he does that, I see Edwards getting the win pretty early in the fight, either in the first or the second round. Why do I say early? Um, not because I don't disrespect the skills of Cerrone. Cerrone's an absolute beast, of course, but he does get off to a slow start. And I think if Edwards can get off to a quick start, uh, I, I see him getting the win uh, pretty quickly. Let's go with Leon Edwards, round one uh, by KO. Round one knockout for Leon Edwards is the pick to click for Ken Flo. All right, Josh Hayner, Kansas City's finest. Good stuff today, bud. So when when's your next jujitsu class? Uh, jiu-jitsu class tonight at oh, 7 o'clock. Warriors Academy, downtown Kansas City. Great place. Train under Coach Boy High, under Leo Picanha. So, Great time. Whenever you guys are around Kansas City, pop in. Awesome, man. And when you're in the Santa Monica, Southern California area, may Rocky BJJ, you tell them you've been on the Anakin Florian podcast. If that doesn't get you a goddamn free class, Josh. Absolutely free class. Okay. Right. 100%. Hey, sounds good. I'll get it calendared. For sure. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Thank Josh. you both. You two are the best in the game. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, man. Josh right. Hayner with us today making right. picks on the main event challenge. I'm wearing my May Rocky BJJ t-shirt. It says want versus need, which is very important. My, my daughter's like, what is that? What do you think it means, honey? Do you need that toy or do you fucking want it? And then the other side says mind over matter, which is like my mother's thesis statement. So, uh, oh, that's in. hilarious. See, Kenny, I mean, just wait till you start talking shit about your own children. It's amazing, right? Like. And then soon, so finally, you start talking shit about your own kids, and then right. they get old enough, 
and you can text them talking shit about your wife to your kids, right? <laughs> and it's a cycle. It's just amazing. And I'm excited to experience all of it. All right. That is it for today. May Rocky BJJ. Are you going straight to the gym right now? What do we do? You, Go home and see your daughter? Or you what do we know do? it, kid. No, I, I got oh. a busy schedule today. Uh, I, got some, I, I got some stuff I got to do today. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to go teach the afternoon class. Then okay. I got to go shoot something for the uh, MMA awards um, uh, with 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 Jeremy Piven. No big deal. Oh, no big deal. Nice. Good no big stuff. Deal. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm excited, man. A busy day today, and uh, yeah. But after that, it's a pretty easy week. I'll just be teaching over at Meraki. So uh, yeah, good times, man. And you're going to get Piven on the Anakin Florian podcast. You're that would be nice. Sally today. That would be Let's nice. make that happen. All right. Also, quickly best. want to dedicate today's show to the memory of famed cutman Leon Tabs, passed yes. away at the age of 86. You know, I knew him primarily as Bernard Hopkins' cutman for years, and it wasn't until his death this weekend that I found out he was the original and the only cutman at UFC 1. Went on, of course, to work for the UFC for 19 years thereafter. Did he ever work your corner, Kenny, that you recall? Um, he might have. Um, yeah. I, I remember seeing Leon Tabs uh, in the locker rooms all the time. Uh, a true gentleman, a guy who is really legendary in the sport, of, uh, in, in combat sports, uh, both boxing and mixed martial arts. And, um, yeah, I was really sad, saddened to hear that news. Yeah, well, back in 2013, I was there at the World MMA Awards when they honored him for his outstanding contribution to MMA, and you got to think the UFC Hall of Fame is going to come calling as well. Dana White, one of several men to go out of their way to acknowledge the passing of Leon Tabs over the weekend. And, of course, he leaves a tremendous legacy. May Leon Tabs rest in peace. All right, thank you for listening today. Thank you to our guests, Tyler Minton, Ray Longo. This show has been produced by John Hill, Jeff Williams, and Alyssa Green. So, Ken Flo, we're off next week. So yes. the next time we speak, I mean, my wife is four centimeters right now on Monday. Oof. So they're telling us hopefully within the next three or four days. Dude. So next time we speak, father of three. I mean, holy piss. What have, what have we done? Like, like, we like done? Keith Florian says, my brother says, he goes, one, one's totally doable. It's great. Easy. No, no big deal. Two, two's tough. Two is tough. Three, three's insane. So uh, I, I, I wish you luck. Uh, you uh, know, if you need any uh, consultations or whatever, you can call my brother Keith. But uh, you're the man, and I know Chrissy is an amazing woman. You guys are, are going to be, you know, amazing parents of three. Um, you'll have your hands full, man. But, uh, yeah, uh, the, amazing, amazing well, stuff. I appreciate dude. your your well wishes. If my <laughs> wife could write, could write a thank you note like Clark, we'd really be in business. It's a tremendous <laughs> thank you note. Uh, all right, that's it for us. We might have a show next week, but in all likelihood, if my wife is fortunate enough to give birth, we will be off until Monday, July 2nd at which time we will preview UFC 226 and the tough finale as well. Keep me posted, that, kid. I will, bro. We don't yeah. know if it's a boy or a girl. My mom has six granddaughters. Wow. Can there be a penis in there? I mean, I'm a good guy. <laughs> can, we, can we make a boy? Are we capable uh, of making a man? Give him a man. Give him a man. the Anakin Florian Podcast. Love you, buddy. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Until then, yo later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and Wagering Week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let sports garden. 
Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.